0: Ready? Break. fruit, Yes. Grapefruit. Want to have a drink? Mm. I'm passing out. Welcome to Rhythm and
1: Pixels. Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode eighteen two, and we are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Purnell. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Uh, every week, we hang out. And we we listen to great video game music and we talk about it. We chat about it. We have a good time. And once a month, we do a live stream of the show um, as we record, uh, just for our Patreon subscribers. So if you go to patreoncom rhythmandpixels you can um, support us there if you like, and you get access to these wonderful programs,
0: and you get to see behind the dark scenes of the podcast scenes. In which case, I came in today looking like a haggard mess.
1: Yeah, I know, but you had had the cool hand wraps on because you came back from that boxing gym.
0: Yeah, I went to the boxing gym, but did not consume enough calories for the day. Mm. So that got a little rocky. At the same time, it also came as a result of me doing something real dumb yesterday, but also fun. So, I went... You went went to a movie, right? I went to the movies, but in the way that only Pernell goes to the movies. Like, see, here's the thing. Like, last minute, like, I wasn't really going to go, but now I'm here. Well, not just that, because that is also a Pernell thing. Yeah. But uh, I went to see Captain Marvel, because I want to get that out of the way before the Endgame comes up, because I didn't want to see the movie. I just, I'm really bad at going. I do
1: want to see Captain Marvel. I do want to see Endgame. There's two things. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but there's two things. One, I heard that Captain Marvel, like... It was entertaining. It's entertaining, but, like, I don't have to see it. I have to, to, which to enjoy the final movie that but is it, true Endgame. i might not go in the theater because it's so long it's so long take a catheter it's so long pronounced catheter it has nothing to do with the urination nation <laughs>
0: oh it, uh, well it you just <laughs> and go. it has more to do with sitting in a crowded theater anyway continue Yo, know, those seats are comfortable you don't want you those three hours go up anyway anyway so i went to see captain marvel Um, I'm usually not one to go by myself, which is why I'm really bad at seeing films, but I just wanted to go see this. So I've met last minute, forced myself to go. But the one perk I can think of by going by yourself Mm -hmm. is that you don't have to worry about embarrassing someone else when you show up. So I went, wait, at a bowl of pho. Okay, that's a brand new record for me. I had you brought the pho with me to the theater and I ate it nice, it was glorious. I think it's my record. I've had fun in the theater now. I've had I'm, a cheesesteak in the theater now. What? I've had two burritos. That's the nice thing about
1: that Regal over there. They don't care. Like, you bring in anything.
0: Oh, I'm not chancing. They didn't know. Oh, they didn't know really? Oh, I snuck it in there, man. I had a bowl. Oh, man. And I had a, oh, no, a bowl. So I had one of those like, cups sealed up in my bag. See, and I used the bowl was inside the bag. And I just took it all out and just made the bowl. And I used to, to work the next to
1: that. Like, I, like, I didn't work at the theater, but I worked connected to the theater for the arcade. And I knew, like... They just didn't care anytime, so my, like my wife Christy, she, we would take like food in and we'd like put it in her purse or whatever. I'm like, they don't care. they don't care. They just want you to go in there and not cause any trouble. Like, <laughs> if you go in there and not cause trouble, like it's the best. like you've, you've won. you're their favorite customer.
0: Oh I too. I went to town, man, but <laughs> honestly, the movie, it's oh Yeah pho. it's pronounced yeah you better believe it. I brought fu. See, here's the thing. All right. I, I, I'm always <laughs> trying to push the envelope. My, I'm a record setter at sneaking food in the theaters. When I was a teenager, okay, as well. an early adult, actually, so Rob would know this from back in the day. I was known for having massive coats. Yes. Like, I was always carrying giant coats that could fit like three people in <laughs> so I would be the resident three three three
1: regular sized people inside one Pernell coat. That's right. You brought like every quarter you've ever like. Acquired. I used to carry
0: quarters in there too. It was like a training montage. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> <laughs> a training montage. Yes, yeah, so I was using chopsticks. It's the only way to do. It. I was eating chip with the chopsticks. Yes. So, uh, but when I was a teenager, late teenager, early adult, I would wear this giant coat. And I was like the the guy that would bring in all the snacks for everyone else. So I would stick, uh, like those candy bomb um, candy boxes inside my sleeves. I'd have potato chips in the sleeves, and I'd have the top the bottom of the coat twist tied, knotted like you know with the tightener strings. Mm-hmm. And I would stuff stuff, shove stuff into the top of the coat. So I'd walk in the theater, sit down, unzip my coat, and splash. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's out. Everybody just eats your food, and we're good here. We're covered. We're covered. Oh, I love it. It was glorious, and you know why I did it? Cause I'm a cheapskate, and theaters rip you the heck off. They do. Man. No way a box of Nerds should cost five friggin' dollars.
1: And any place, any any of them now that um that, that sell alcohol, it's it's like way way overpriced. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yes, yes. But let's not go nuts here. See, the alcohol is glorious. See, I've only had that at the theater one time. I went to see one of the Star Wars movies. I was at Anime Central in Chicago, mm-hmm. and that there's a theater out there that had the second floor balcony. You had to pay extra for the VIP seat. Right. And I did that because I thought it would be pretty funny to sit in VIP. And then he got there and was like, Would you like some wine, sir? I was like, Wait, 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 wait. I get to drink wine at the theater? And he's like, Yes. I was like, I would love a bottle of wine. Yes. I would like a box of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so they gave me and my friend wine. And we're sitting at the balcony while our other friends are in the normal, so down in the lower level. Yeah. And we're just acting like the oh. worst, like philanthropists. Um, oh, you were like, "Oh, this, 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 look this. at the look at the plebs at common, the bottom, common folk without their <laughs> boxed wine." Look at me, look at me, swishing my drink. It was a great time. And you're like throwing your wine. Pabst, <laughs> are have so- have so- oh, you thirsty, people? <laughs> it was a great time. Like, I that experience was worth the stupid price of wine. It was That's just, so- a, it was a hilarious time. Oh man. So, uh, so, uh, yeah
1: it's it's good it is good to sneak candy into the theater to say
0: i'm yeah. a i'm a genuine well what? i think rob and i are genuine honest good people it's, but i think we could both endorse sneaking snacks into the theater yeah it's,
1: it's an american okay. tradition and so what is your theater snack of choice like if you have to think of one candy
0: or one specifically thing. candy let's say it's candy yeah because otherwise it's going to be like anything all right, if it's candy, it's going to be a toss-up between the Sour Patch Kids. Ooh. And uh, they used to have, like, the boxes of nerds. Yeah, okay. So I would do I those, too. I like those two. a lot, yeah. But if we're talking non-candy, it's all about the nacho cheese pretzel bites.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm down with the pretzel bites. I don't like the nacho cheese so much, but if it's candy for me, it's always Skittles. If Skittles are too sweet, even for me. That's the hiccup. I love the Skittles. Or,
0: um, I know Christy really likes the Reese's Pieces. Yeah, well, Reese's Pieces are banging. Like, I'm thinking about, like, just tasting the rainbow, and then you put one in your mouth, and the rainbow's just... Like, unicorns just, like, skated all (laughs) I feel the same way with Sour Patch Kids. It's just
1: too much, like, flavor. Sour, man. It's too sour. It's heaven. All right, so let's get into some music. We got a lot of music today. Um, When we do our live stream shows, we ask for music from our Patreon subscribers and from our listeners. And this whole month, this whole month of April, we've been talking about our favorite games... So now we're talking about your favorite games oh. because I've been thinking about this all week. Like I never want to poop on games, you know, poo poo on games, poop on games. Well, <laughs> that'd be kind of gross right? Don't want to poo poo on games because like everyone's got their own thing. There's no wrong way to have fun. There's I, I, like, there's no bad games really. Like there's like, someone's going to love it. I, and I really believe that we should just embrace everyone else's um, enthusiasm or whatever they're playing,
0: that is true. However, I, I gotta add this in there. Yeah, Truxton is the yeah. best game. Truxton <laughs> is. I, I wasn't here to see enough, so I couldn't say one way or the other. It's it's pretty disco. I think but. there there's a there's a certain like line mm. where like there's nothing wrong with discussing it. Like, let's say you reference a game that you like. Oh oh oh, and I may not, or it might be things about it that I don't dig. Like you're saying, like you're saying, like criticize. Yeah yeah, solid
1: criticisms. Of a game, we can have a discussion.
0: Yes, you can have a discussion. Now, I'm not gonna go. Hey, Rob, what's your favorite game? See, I'm gonna do that. Rob, what's your favorite game? My favorite game is Make a Man. That game is Hot Garden. See, that's bad. That is very bad. That's bad. That is mean. We do not endorse that kind of talk. Well, there are some bad games. You know what? We had We had Wicked Sephiroth. He uh, didn't reference one of the crown jewels or trashed him. We have to acknowledge that. E.T. for the Atari, but you know what? I'm though? also going
1: to go with Bart versus the Space Mutants. Okay, Bar- Bart versus the Space Mutants I got a problem with. But E.T. for the Atari, I grew up playing.
0: I did too, but you got to look back. Not so great. It's not so great. <laughs> we played it because we know. I like that we're
1: like, this is, this is a bad way to talk about games. Okay, what about E.T.? Garbage. Hot garbage. Throw also the- Highlight. Hi-
2: Highlight with awful hide
1: light. Oh, hide-lide. Hide-lide. There's a um there's a sport called Highlight um, J A I L A I, where it's like you put those giant like um cuffs on your arm. It looks like a giant like scoop, and you throw a ball with a scoop and it goes like a billion miles an so hour. So is it
0: manual lacrosse? No, no,
1: it's it's a lot like racquetball, but you play it like It's human ball. But you play it yards away from a wall, and you throw the balls go so fast, and you're supposed to catch them in these cuffs. That it can kill somebody. It's pretty pretty wild. So it's like wall ball with a glove. It's kind of yeah yeah oh and now we have some more friends in the chat. So we're gonna to listen to some music. now this is an even numbered episode. So I'm going to start the show. Ah. Uh, uh, and I'm gonna stay away from your picks, even though you picked five tracks today. I went to town, baby. All right. We so, had some good choices. Yeah, some good choices. I'm gonna start with. I'm gonna hit the bottom of my list here, uh, which is. At the bottom of the list. how oh, so but you need Just to clarify saying.
2: that right. that's
0: not right.
1: Okay, this 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 was chosen by uh, listener and Patreon subscriber Steven Miller. Do you, do you have that one, for now? What's the track called? The track is called You're Not Alone exclamation point from Final Fantasy Four for the I wrote Sony PlayStation for the uh, Super Nintendo, composed by Nobuo, Uematsu, okay. and um all of this episode, we are going to not only read your testimonials and read uh um like what you love about the game, what you love about the music, we're also gonna read a little bit of the uh the intro, story, and plot from the game's manuals um in the most dramatic way
0: possible. Well, let's, let's, come on, let's not let's not raise the bar here. I just got back from the gym. My voice is muckamucka. Taking place on the
1: planet Gaia. The story follows a thief named Zidane Tribal, a member of the thief troop who is tasked to kidnap the Princess of Alexandria, Garnet Tel Alexandros the 17th. He teams up with her and a team of allies to stop Queen Braun and her ally Kuja from waging a war with an army of black mages. This is You're Not Alone from the game Final Fantasy IX Nine. for the Sony PlayStation. My mistake. Composed by... Oh, still composed by Nobuo Uematsu. <laughs> That's enough out of you, Pernell. There's enough out of you.
2: I'm sure we'll I'm, ge- <laughs> I'm getting...
1: I'm getting called out. I'm getting called out in the chat. That's fine. Um, but anyway, this is chosen by our listener and Patreon subscriber, Stephen Miller. And Stephen says... I know it's a bit cliché, but this is my probably my favorite track from any Final Fantasy. I've got a huge emotional attachment to this one, so I get chills every time I hear it. So few games deal with existentialism in a way this succinctly, and this track bleeds it." Um, I, I, I'm curious as to what his emotional attachment
0: to the game is. Well. I haven't played it in a while, mm-hmm. so I'm very like kind of lost. On I've it. N- I've never played this one, but my main thing is when it comes to like the sense of attachment, like how emotions can come. Is like you yeah. have Vivi, mm-hmm. who was a mage, like a he was like, he was he,
1: like the black mage who looked like like the, the old school Final Fantasy one black mage, right?
0: Yeah, but it was it was a little bit more than just fan service. There It was like there was actually like a bunch of like r- I don't they, they may have been robots, they may have been like uh, like just like I don't know, like. like Let's just call them robots, but they were basically like robotic black mages that were like a militia force created by like this wicked queen and he was like one that kinda malfunctioned or something along those lines. But basically the whole instance of like him not feeling like he belongs anywhere in the world and like he still ends up befriending a numbers members of the main cast. And I also remember the princess being just like pretty much depressed the entire game for the most part. That was a I gotta go see there it is. This is what I needed to have happen. See? Every once in a while, I'll forget aspects of a game enough that I can say it's finally time to go back and replay. And it's time to replay this one. Yeah, because I, re- I never finished it. I got to memoria, and I remember certain bits of it. Like I remember um, the dragoon character Freya going back to her hometown, mm-hmm. and while you're there, for we get to fight that assassin Armand or Armand or red haired kid uh, Armand Armando. Armando. Actually, you know what that's his name known for. He's gonna be Armando. <laughs>
1: you, you could probably are there's there's summons in Final Fantasy IX. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can rename them. Oh yeah, I'm gonna name him Armando. Um, we did that with the yeah, A- We did that with the Aeons in Final Fantasy X. So Ixion was horsey. <laughs> oh jeez.
0: And I think uh, Bahamut was Fernando. Oh, for the record, what? the best game ever that allowed you to rename stuff. Mm-hmm. Wild arm. Or- wild arms have you ever played any of the wild arms game i have not but what can you rename is the, it everything you can, you can name any of the spells oh wow every spell you get you can choose your own name for it so every spell every spell that's awesome so you know a lot of people probably were naming their spells like mega fire or you know really hot spell or something <laughs> or use this one automatons there we go wicked sephiroth nailed it um as far as the VV and the Black Major, thing oh, they the were, were called Tomatons. Tomatons. Okay, so
1: so you can rename. So, what? How did you name your spells? I
0: named them was? like the sort of things. I named them quotes. Like I gave them quote titles. Oh, so like as if I was saying it, huh? Like
1: so if you were like on the field, they were like, "I raise Hellfire," and that was like the name of the spell. Or
0: like a nice spell with like, "Chill out,"
1: and like, oh, snap "Your
0: finger," and like, "It freeze the guy." Everybody, or, oh, the wind shit. spell, but, like, "Back the heck up." And you like blow the wind <laughs> spell to blurry my back. Oh, I love that. That I had awesome. like, I was like a point spell. I was like soup song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the spell would trigger, and it would just be ridiculous. Oh, that's great. Um, but yeah. that's still like probably one of my favorite mm-hmm. game experiences because I would make them like the stronger the spell, the more aggressive I'd make the title of the that's... spell. So like I'm getting really angry. It's like Argh! <laughs> it was so good.
1: Oh, that's so funny. All right, so that was Final Fantasy IX. Um, Pernell, where are you going to choose from first?
0: All right, I'll make it. I'll make it pretty simple as a follow-up because I have to go with, you know, this track as being one of my selectors. Mm-hmm. So this game, this track is from the game Final Fantasy VI, submitted by OK Impala. Yes. Track title is called "Searching for Friends," and the su- composer of this track is Nobuo Uematsu. And I'm just double checking to make sure <laughs> as, as I look it no, over. i pretty sure I got this one right. This looks about right. Yes. I'll, yes. I, I feel comfortable and secure in you reading mm-hmm. this description. Okay. Prologue.
1: The ancient war of the Magi. When its flames at last receded, only the charred husk of a world remained. Even the power of magic was lost. In the thousand years that followed iron, gunpowder, and steam engines took the place of magic and life slowly returned to the barren land yet there now stands one who would reawaken the magic of ages past and use its dread power as a means by which to conquer all the world could anyone truly be foolish enough to repeat that mistake
0: Welcome back to the show. You just heard searching for friends from the game. Final 56. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked after. The yeah. tempo was going Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was submitted by OK Impala. Um, I kind of, aside from his description, I had to go with it because this is one of my favorite games. And I love the description that he gave for it. his like reasoning. So his wording was, testimonial from OK Impala. Mm-hmm. Begin scene. Begin. <laughs> yeah. A track from my favorite game, Final Fantasy VI. Recently, I'm playing this gem of a game all over again. Thanks to the excellent mod, Final Fantasy VI Brave New World, I can enjoy the original SNES version in a whole new way. Entry point here, Brave New World, if I'm not mistaken, is a edit that rearranges how the world is designed, laid out, mm. and you get the airship right away. So oh, it's almost like you're exploring yeah. immediately and discovering things anew as you play. Yeah. yeah back into the description, though. This is testimony. One of my favorite tracks of Final Fantasy VI is Searching for Friends. It's a beautiful turning point in the game. All hope is lost after the world was ruined. When you finally find an airship in said world of ruin, you also find that first glimmer of hope in a dark world. The search for your lost friends can begin the first step towards a new future. That is so on point and legit because I'm going to tell you right now, at that time when this game came out... It was... that the, the World of Ruin segment was legitimately one of the most depressing things yeah. I had ever encountered in a game. Your character tries to just commit suicide but out of despair and depression. You end up in a town that's constantly besieged by a ridiculous, non-killable monster. You can't find any of your friends. The world looks like, you know, creamed corn. Mm-hmm. It's just... Nothing's great. It's, it's a very sombering scenario. And then yet, like he said... Once you get the airship, you start moving around, you realize that the entire world isn't completely gone. to crap. Some people have adapted and evolved with the world and made it their own. Others are possessed or dealing with the possessed painting, and some are just seeking treasure inside of a volcano because they got nothing better to do. But the point is, because some people got nothing better to do than get money. Get that money. Gotta get paid. But this game is one of the all-time greatest, and... His Okay Paula's description And his reasoning Honestly I feel Is a large part of why it is Despite the fact that it is I guess 30 years old now Almost 30 years almost old Almost th- I can't, It can't be 30 That's almost <laughs> <laughs> It's almost It's like in is twenty. 20s It's good It's in his 20s 96 Yeah Yeah So twenty. that's nah, it's not It's like 22 years. It's a millennial Whatever. Yeah there it is It can drink <laughs> And it can vote Oh no that's right. Kefka for president. Well, it
1: doesn't have U.S. citizenship. That is true. <laughs>
0: tough, tough nuggets, Final Fantasy 6.
1: Man, I I, lo- I I do love classic Final Fantasy music. Final Fantasy 3, on the other hand, does have U.S. citizenship. Oh. Bam! I like that. So 6 does not,
0: but 3 does. I love this! I love this! This game, again, is over 20 years old, and we got a guy in the chat who just learned that you can save Sid's life. In the world of ruin. Mm. And I ain't gonna lie, I don't feel too bad, I don't think many of the people who played the game for the first time without a guy knew you could save them. There was no indication that there were healthy fish and unhealthy fish. Mm-hmm. So, for the record, when you first entered the world of ruin, Listen, why the none main, of this makes sense to me. So. I, I, that's why I'm stepping I, in. I, so I, I believe there, there, is there is a Sid. There is a Sid. May or may not be a man. He is a man. He is a man. <laughs> <laughs> You, your main one of your main characters in Sid are trapped on a deserted island mm-hmm. and after the world of ruin goes to, becomes a thing, and uh, that friend Sid is ill and hungry, so your main character goes down to the river or to the water to fish for him. And see, that seen how this is like a sprite based 16 bit RPG. Fishing involves just walking up to the water and pressing A on moving fish, right? No rides or reels required, just just getting fish, just touch those fish, and um. Unfortunately, some are moving pretty quickly and some are moving rather slowly. And as just a budding player, your first thought is likely going to be get the fish fish that you can catch, which are the slow fish. Which are sick fish? But they're actually sick fish. And if you keep giving him those fish, he dies. No kidding. You actually kill Sid. Yep. Ooh. Well, unbeknownst to you, it's not a malicious act. It's not second or first degree murder. It's just... (laughs) It's an accident. It's just manslaughter. It's a it's just manslaughter. Anybody could have made that mistake. <laughs> but um, but once you learn the truth, most likely from a guide or the schoolyard, mm-hmm. you can go back and give him only the fast-moving fish, mm-hmm. and you can you can revive him, save his life. But if okay. you don't save his life, that's when the depressing scene I mentioned earlier happens. Yeah. All right. Well, where is the schoolyard
1: stage that you've talked about? I'm kidding. The schoolyard. Oh, there's a. You know, of course,
0: there's probably a the schoolyard.
1: Yeah, one. of course. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so we're going to go on to my next track, Pernell. I'm going to play that one we just talked about. I'm going to pick a track from Wicked Sephiroth, another great uh, supporter of the show, a continued supporter of the show. Uh, And he picked a few tracks from the game Earthbound for the Super Nintendo, composed by Hirokazu Tunaka. Tunaka. -tunaka.
0: Hip-Tunaka!
1: Chip-Tunaka. Oh, I like that, Chip Tunaka. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he's he is he is wild and crazy man. Um, so, of all the tracks he picked, I'm picking uh, "Battle Against a Mobile Opponent" from the game Earthbound for the Super Nintendo. For now.
0: Can four average kids save the world from certain destruction at the hands of an evil alien invader? They might be experienced, but don't count them out. The four spunky kids have the fate of mankind in their hands and the weight of the world on their shoulders. So it's a good thing they've got psychic powers and you on their side. Man, that's foreshadowing I didn't even realize. Yeah, right. Um, As you begin this unique gaming experience and explore the world in search of the sinister spirit of Gygus, pack along our travel guide. You'll need it to find your way through Earthbound's twisted and hilarious world, and you won't want to miss a single side trip or pass up any sights along the way. Just remember, phone dear old mom and dad. After all, the kids will wander a long way from home. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Battle Against a Mobile Opponent from the game Earthbound for the Super Nintendo composed by Hirokazu Tanaka. Hirokazu Tanaka. Just
0: say Hip Tanaka!
1: Hip Tanaka. (laughs) Uh, This was picked by Wicked Sephiroth. And Wicked Sephiroth says... um, He had had written a, a few things, and so I kind of split it up to be a little bit more relevant to the show. Um, On the subject of Earthbound, a fun fact about the Peaceful Rest Valley, it was supposed to be Grateful Dead Valley, but was centered like much of the things in the localization, like the octopus statues and the red crosses on the hospitals. I downloaded a ROM with all of these changes put back to the original state, which I would recommend. According to my research on the composers, Keiichi Suzuki, who is the uh, other composer in this game, uh, his personal pieces play when the player is walking around the map or out of battle. Um, while Hirokazu Tanaka wrote most of the game's weird stuff. Uh, Tanaka mentioned in an interview that the creepiness in the battles indicates the presence of the influence of gaigus
0: I guess that kind of makes sense, because, mm. I mean, let's be honest, he's probably just kind of covering his tracks for the design of choice of, like, the backgrounds, but those no, backgrounds are really I, awesome. I, I, I have a feeling that they, they probably...
1: Uh, Hirokazu Tanaka, like, th- he worked on... I feel like he, he's worked on games for so long, he has a really strong sense of i think of how to compose for for games mm-hmm. so he's, he's been he's did, it's been doing it for so long i feel like you probably worked closely with the developers, worked closely with the story of the game, and was like, "All right, for all the crazy stuff, we want it to kind of sound kind of wacky and this."
0: And oh that. no, no, no! I'm not talking about the music that I get. Oh, I beca- totally get that. I'm talking about the way of... the backgrounds are, like, yeah. because the game was designed to be kind of like, like visually, it, re- it resembled how Dragon Quest battles were. Mm-hmm. You're right. You know, hit points at the bottom, commands at the top, and your yeah, yeah, enemies and stationary just, the center. Just the
1: enemies you don't see your party or anything like that, right?
0: Yeah, but instead of having the uh, like a like a flat background, like here's a forest or here's was this building. Mm. It was a bunch of psychedelic patterns and wacky stuff going on. And... Oh, so not the creepiness in the music. You're saying like the crazy psychedelic stuff of the background. Yeah, I'm like, I'm wondering if that's really that they were saying. Like, it's, it's supposed to influence, show the influence of Gaius. like, I think they just wanted to show weird crap like the rest of the game <laughs> does.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really like that. I like, I, I like this tune. I haven't really... Gotta be honest, I haven't really fully explored the soundtrack and I never finished playing the game. I, re- so- I really should, because every time I hear music from this game, I'm like, oh, it's so different and cool.
0: Yes! Go- I will tell everybody to play Earthbound mm-hmm. until I'm hoarse and out of breath, <laughs> because, again, Earthbound is one of those games that I think holds up timelessly. Yeah. Which is hilarious, because when the game first came out, people were mocking it for not looking very... Te- it wasn't very technologically advanced for the time. Right. It was very... It was kind of a throwback game. But... I would still rather play that now than a lot of the RPGs that were on the Super Nintendo back then. Ooh, thing. damn. You I didn't say Super all Nintendo of rep- them. I said a lot of them. <laughs> lot Let's of
1: relax, them. sir. I know, but so, I mean, among the top tier of This is Super top Nintendo, tier for me. Yeah, so great great pick, Wicked Sephiroth.
0: Oh, yeah, buddy. Mm. And like I said, like this game is worth your time. It's, this game inspired me to play a lot of games. This, this is why I got into Persona, which you know how that turned out. Yeah. Um, so Earthbound's why I got into Persona oh, Earthbound Very is why I like when games have multiple battle tracks in the game instead of just the one that plays all the time um, because it adds variety and it gives you something to look forward to I do
1: like that uh,
0: since I've been replaying Final
1: Fantasy 10 the for the 15th, for the uh, 15th. Yeah, no, maybe the 5th time 4th or 5th time I don't care I like it a lot Um. the the music of the battle music I've, I've started to get it starts to wear on me and, like, I love the battle music of Final Fantasy X, but you hear it so often
0: yeah. that I'm just about done with it, man. Now, you imagine know? if there was, like, four battle tracks that would play, not including the boss yeah, tracks. Yeah, I would like that, it would yeah.
1: add some salty brine it's, to it. It's crazy, because when you go into, like, a new area, and it gets really serious, and, like, that kind of tense music or the stage music doesn't stop while you're in the the battle, suddenly it's like, oh, something really serious is going on. It's really cool. It, it creates more of a, a cinematic feel. But it happens so rarely... Maybe that's why it's so pointed
0: at the time, but... One thing I should probably respond to, because this is an interesting point that was brought up in the chat. Okay. Chris Murray goes, I get when people who have never played it don't like it now. I get that, too. I mean, I think we've had this chat about other games, not particularly Earthbound as well, where some games, either you had to be there or you have to at least have an appreciation for the aesthetic yeah before you even go in that's interesting because
1: there's there's a, there's a there's a difference between like saying like oh yeah that game holds up right now that's like maybe it's from, coming from someone who has played and experienced games from that era from that era and then let's say there's someone younger who wasn't a, who didn't play games from that era. Maybe wasn't uh, alive or just wasn't playing games from that time. Yeah. So like now they're looking back on it. Like um like my wife Christy, she she loves Final Fantasy, but she looks back on some of those old Super Nintendo, Nintendo stuff, and it doesn't resonate with her mm-hmm. because the characters, the the character models, the sprites doesn't doesn't sit with her. They don't pop. They don't pop. They don't, they don't emotionally resonate with her, like, so to say, some of, like, the newer, newer games.
0: There's no facial expressions. Ness always has that straight smirk. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, even in the most dramatic scenes, villagers are still smiling because they don't change their facial expressions. Yeah, they just move a little
1: faster when they're running around. Um, so yeah, and I totally get that. So, it's just, so for her, it's not that the game doesn't hold up. It's just that, you know, she, she started playing video games at a time when it was kind of past that technology. And even yeah, with, like, yeah.
0: the battles still. Like, I remember my brother wouldn't play it. He didn't like RPG. Well, first of all, he wasn't big on RPGs in general, but he was especially not fond of RPGs where you couldn't see your battle members doing things. Yeah, me too. I, actually, I kind of still feel that way. It's, I used which to. is kind of dumb, right? But, like... Fun fact, Earthbound is also the first game where I was able to appreciate that, too. Like, I played Dragon Quest One, I, mm-hmm. I played Dragon Quest Two and I didn't like either (laughs) like I rented them and I played them as much as I could but ultimately it just didn't really you you want
1: to hit a button and see something happen on the screen right yeah yeah Yeah, it's so so, it's so interesting how these different uh, uh, game plays and these different game mechanics like either you learn to like them or you don't appreciate them right away
0: and Uh, the thing is like going back to something you said earlier if you don't appreciate them that's cool that's cool there's tons of other games you could like yeah so that's okay so what's the next
1: game you're gonna like Let's see. Let me take let me What's the next game that someone likes?
0: <laughs> that also.
1: someone likes. It could be anyone. Of all of the tracks that you picked for yourself.
0: You know what? <laughs> I'm going to pick this one because it came up since, since, what, since you know who mentioned it or started talking. I'm going to mention this track anyway because I did have an intention to pick it anyway. All right, let's do it. So this track is submitted by listener Chris Murray mm. from the game Fire Emblem Fates, and it is titled Ties That Bond. Nintendo 3DS. Wait, I thought I had it. And I was like, it was two people. All right, it was composed by Takeo from the OST. Composed by Takero Kanazaki, Hiroki Morishita, Rei Kondo, Masato Koda, and Yasuhisha Baba. Though I have a, I think this specific track was composed by Takero Kanazaki and Hiroki Morishita.
1: Okay, yeah, I I could not find the specific um, composers for. Uh, for this track no, I lucked into it oh, you lucked into it okay um yeah I did some searching around um and also soul I- searching <laughs> soul searching the only um the only manual I could find for this game was the manual that told you like how to connect to, like, the internet and do specific things. And, like, yeah, hey, this is how this new game mechanic works. But there was no, like, plot, you know, description, like, in the older school games. So I went to the wiki for this one.
0: Oh, for, for Fire Emblem? For,
1: for, yeah, for this this uh, Fire Emblem Fates. Fates! The overarching story follows the protagonist, a customizable avatar created by the player, as they are unwillingly drawn into a war between the kingdoms of Hoshido, their birthplace, and Nor, their adopted home, and must choose which side to support. In Revelation, the Avatar rallies both sides against the true mastermind beyond, behind the war. The gameplay, which revolves around tactical movement of units across a grid based battlefield, shares many mechanics with previous Fire Emblem games, although some elements are unique to each scenario.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to, or were are listening to, or are listening to, Ties That Bind. Submitted by listener Chris Murray from the game Fire Emblem Fates. Composed by Takeru Kanazaki, Hiroki Morishida, Reikondo, Masato Koda, and Yasuhisha Baba. Testimonial. My favorite 3DS exclusive game. This game sucked me into the Fire Emblem assembly series Something Fierce. I loved my 3DS, and was kind of getting back into gaming a bit more seriously, so I feel very fortunate that when I watered into GameStop, with no intention of getting anything, mind you, I just happened to be at the mall at the time. Oh, sure. We've all said that before, haven't we? The GameStop dude that was there, I was like, This, dude. You need to be playing this. Please, just trust me on this. I did, and I've been playing a ton of Fire Emblem games ever since. The game is an amazing blend of tactical RPG, classic Japanese story-driven gaming elements, and actually is built in a way where there are three games in one collective. You can choose your side and play as either of the warring factions, or go your own route, these being titled either Birthright, Conquest, or Revelation. I've played through all three scenarios multiple times, and have enjoyed it each time, given the complexity of the gameplay, relationship, castle building, and other such elements. This game right here, fun stories about this game. Or mixed bag, depending on how you look at it. A mixed bag about this game. So, when Fire Emblem Fates... Oh, first thing to mention, of course I haven't played it. Um, I own it, but I haven't played it. But I'll get to that. So, Mm. when Fire Emblem Fates got announced, they were... It was originally two cards. It was Birthright and Conquest. So, and it was like, hey, these games are like... They're separate adventures told from a different perspective pick them up and give them a shot but there was a special limited edition cart that they released a special edition cart where you could buy it and it had both of these on one cart along with the third scenario that Chris mentioned that aside from this collection was only downloadable from the eShop I was not able to acquire this collector's edition before it stopped selling Okay. so of yeah. course I was like ah screw it I'm not going to bother with this game I need to start saving money anyway then, the week this game came out, I got dumped by my, t- at the time, girlfriend. And I was heading down to MAGFest that weekend. Mm-hmm. So, out of nowhere, while going on the-, on the road, just driving through Virginia, I just decided, you know what, screw it. I want the game. I want it today, and I'm going to get it. I just went to the game, so I said, like, give me both copies of the game. Didn't even want to get either of them. I said, like, give me both of them. Take them home. And I bought like two other games that day, too. I don't even remember what they are, but I, these are the two that stand out the most. This was some uh, retail therapy. Oh, it was <laughs> solid retail therapy. Bought the Living Daylights on these oh games. Oh, my God. And I kept telling myself, I'm going to go in, I'm going to play them. As soon as I beat Fire Emblem Awakening, that has never happened because I put it on hard classic and I regret it. I still regret that decision. Nightmare mode. Oh, yeah, that is truly <laughs> nightmare mode for Fire Emblem Awakening. My hard plus classic, though. Mm. Don't tell the hardcores on the internet because only losers can't beat hard classic. You should really be playing Lunatic, which is easier than Fire Emblem 6 actually. Eh, whatever. Wow. Wow. That's what they do. That's what they do. <laughs> wow. And it drives me nuts. I'm like, Look here, buddy. We can't all spend time soft resetting console because our dudes are dying on hard mode like you can. Uh, but anyway. That's, that's funny. The thing that bugged me the most about this, though, was being that I am like you know the completest type guy, I wanted to get both carts. But the annoying thing is that Nintendo intended for you to only buy one of the carts. Unless you bought that special edition, of course, In which case you still only bought one cart but for a different reason. Mm. So they intended for you to buy one of the carts, right? Beat the first scenario, download the other two scenarios, and play them so you can like link save files up. Uh, but there's not from like the same cart. All right. from the same cart. Yeah. But you cannot actually link the save file from the two different carts. So if you bought Conquest and Birthright all on to, cart, uh, then you, you can couldn't... only choose one of them to carry over your files. Huh. That seems like an oversight. <laughs> I, I, I would call, pro- they wouldn't call it
1: that, but I, mean, I certainly would. You'd be like, well, why did you buy it on two different things? You'd be like, well, like, I mean, I'm seriously like, what if, it, what if it was gifted to you, right? You know, like that, that, that could happen. Yeah, um, and that would be a frustrating thing. That would be very frustrating.
0: Also, I should mention hmm. this too, so... This because Chris said it epic. in the chat, and this is his pick. He believes that Fate has the best relationship component of any Fire Emblem that he has played. And if I'm not mistaken, he's played the Fate's games, he's played Awakening... Mm-hmm. He's played uh, Path of Radiance, so he's had a deep re- he's had a relationship with this game. He is forming one with the series, and he has got a deep relationship with this game. I think he said he's beaten it multiple times. Wow! So it's an awesome, Tom.
1: Very cool. All right, so uh, my next track, I'm going to pick this one. That's okay with you.
0: I don't know. Yes, you can pick it. All oh. right, cool. <laughs> this, uh,
1: this, this one is chosen by AutisticGamer89, uh, another listener and patron of the show. And it is from the game DuckTales for the NES. This is the track The Amazon, composed by Hiroshige Tonomura. And for now, I picked this one because I really want you to read this in the most dramatic way possible. For DuckTales <laughs> for the NES, The Amazon. <coughs>
0: Uncle Scrooge is a world-class millionaire and a lover of adventure. His goal this time is to obtain the five lost treasures that were scattered throughout the world. He is off on his adventure with the help of Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Webby. They will travel with him the jungles of the Amazon, the snow-topped peaks of the Himalayas, the haunted house in Transylvania, and the subterranean mines of Africa. And to the surface of the moon! (laughs) How many of the lost treasures will you be able to
2: find?
1: He the... cried, Mo, Mo, Money!
2: With a not quack, baby!
1: You're listening to the Amazon from DuckTales for the Nintendo Entertainment System composed by Hiroshige Tonomura. And this was picked by a listener and patron of the show, AutisticGamer89. Um, and his testimonial? And he says, "Back, Okay, this is crazy, right? Back when I was really little, I mean... Okay, back when he was really little, my big brother wanted his NES in the same room as my crib, and I would be on it watching him play two games on it: Super Mario Brothers and Ducktales. Woo! Uh, because of it, years later, when I was ready to say my first words, it wasn't the usual "mom" or "dad." It was Mario. I wonder if they confused it. Like, did he just say "mamio"? Momio? <laughs> Everything was Mario to me. Uh, knowing this, you think my first game I've ever played. But that goes to DuckTales and the Amazon level. And ever since that day, I've been a gamer, and hearing this song and the World 1-1 song from Mario, uh, it always brings back some good memories. So, like, this is, like, his like his absolute introduction into video games, is this, this game and probably this song.
0: I could appreciate that, yeah. too, because I could picture a lot of people's first introduction to games being... Like, from this time period, anyway, right, being right. like the Disney afternoon suite of games. Mm-hmm. Imagine a parent going to the store, they're looking for games for their kid, and the Disney games are an easy standout, you know? They got the Disney's logo on the corner you know and the box always had that nice you know sweet design that just made it stand out on the shelf yeah it, all it, the capcom games all the capcom disney games were they were
1: they were so much more colorful they had so much more illustration on the cover they looked like comic books on the shelf compared to like some you know, of the other box yeah, covers yeah, Gyrus or karate you know <laughs> or karate just the, the, karate you know like this the plain gray you know, covers of, like, the... The bland box. The bland NES games that are just called Karate, or Kid
0: Icarus. I gotta ask, though, so... Of course, because I think whenever DuckTales comes up, it has to be said. I love DuckTales. Oh, as you should. I mean, the game. I haven't played DuckTales 2, though, that I really should, even though I've heard it's not very good. Um, but... DuckTales 1, we all know that the the love affair of the world is the darn moon track. Oh, the, the moon is a great song. But I don't want to talk about that. Okay, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, out of my mind. If you're oh. not, well, we're, well, first of all, my favorite track isn't the moon anyway, but for anyone else, including yourself, and our also our listeners who are on the stream, if you, what is your favorite non-moon DuckTales, DuckTales track? 10.
1: You know what? He got it on the head right here. Amazon. 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 It's either the Amazon or the Himalayas. I think it's the Amazon track, because I I, I love all the different sections of this music. Like, there's like three or four distinct, like, parts to the song. There's like the little breakdown, there's like a little, like, uh, the drums get really cool, there's counter melodies on the the triangle uh, uh, channel, it's just so neat. So my, for me, it's the Amazon. Also, I, that's like probably my favorite stage, the See, Amazon stage, because it was like that's the one. That's the one that's like
0: blocked when you first go to it, right? Now the Amazon, you can go right into it. The one that's blocked, I want to say the mines are locked. I'm pretty sure it's like oh, the mines that are locked. Yeah, that's right. that's right. That's the one that's blocked. I think I got that confused with another stage. What's your
1: favorite, though?
0: Honestly, you kind of know, even though this is the most iconic for me, because this is always the level I went to first when I would play the game. Yeah, yeah, me too. So even if I didn't play a full run of the game, I would mm-hmm. definitely do this stage. But my favorite, just track in general, is easily the African Moon. Yeah, yeah, the so that set. That's, that that's my favorite. Sound, I love man. that stage,
1: man. That's a cool stage.
0: I, I feel stage. like,
1: I think the moon really resonates with people because it's so different from the rest of the game. Because there's a lot more to explore like all like you can go off to the side of the screen and keep going and find like secret treasure chests and stuff hmm and so Like the epic Nick the epicness of that music epic Mick Walker <laughs> epic Nick Walker uh, the epicness of that music Kind of fits with uh, the how different the stage is like you're not in the Himalayas You're not traveling the world you're off world and suddenly there's ducks in space it's crazy. Ducks. Crazy ducks in space. It's a cool game. I, I really love DuckTales. I've only played on NES a handful of times. I had it for the Game Boy, which was almost a- I felt like a direct port of the NES game. The music was the same, the stages were the same, I think. Um, which one are you talking about? The remastered the one? Duck, no, DuckTales for Game Boy. Oh, yeah, the it was. Game it Boy. was all the same stuff. It was all the same. I played it to death. Like, uh, I think I played that NES game more than any other like any, uh, Game Boy game more than any other Game Boy game that I had. Um, that, I don't think I ever played. I might somewhere. go for Tetris.
2: <laughs> yeah, well,
1: Tetris should <laughs> be their a number lot one of Duct- play, uh, but I think Ducktales I played more than Tetris. Yeah, I played it. I mean, I replayed it again and again and again
0: and again and again. Because I, I got to the point where I could just beat it without even thinking about it. I guess mine. I don't think what my what most played game would be like Mega Man and Doctor Wise Revenge. Yeah, or Tetris, of course. Mm-hmm. And then another one would be like, would it been Alien? Ooh, that's a good game. Yeah, I like very kind of possibly was I was quite obsessed with that little number not including the RPG that's kind of cheating if you reference an RPG they're just saw, long by default
1: uh, there is a um, I've talked about it before but there's a podcast called Retro Knots um, which is a much more historically focused uh, game sh- uh, video game podcast mm-hmm. and they had a whole it's been the 30 it's the 30 year anniversary of Game Boy it was like last week or the week before mm-hmm. and they covered all the all of these classic titles and their favorite titles from Game Boy and Hayanky Alien was definitely on that list because it was actually a direct arcade port of that game and it cuz it fits right in between those like um, what are they called so, Sobaku games, where like, you're pushing. Oh, the so,
0: yeah, I remember so we were talking about that earlier. But the name,
1: alluded. I think yeah. it was like Sobaku. Sobaku, and also Load Runner. Because Load Runner is very much like side scrolling, and then you have to dig a pit wait, to trick the um, the monsters to fall into it, and then you bury them alive.
0: It's so good. It's, it's so. Innovative. Oh,
1: it's so much fun, <laughs> and the great, great music too. So yeah, great, great pick. Thanks for bringing this on the show. I do love, I do love Ducktales. <laughs> so Pernell, what is your final track?
0: All right, I kind of have to go with this one because I genuinely just loved... I loved the description that he provided. He gave some real detail Some real flavor? Yeah, this is some flavor. So I'm going to pick it. I'm going to go with it. Okay. This is the intro track from the game The Secret of Monkey Island. And it was submitted by a listener, Chris Steenerson. Mm. It is composed by Michael Zeeland, Peter McConnell, and Clint Bajakian. Bajakian, (laughs) Or Bajakian.
1: (laughs) In The Secret of Monkey Island, you play the role of Guybrush Threepwood. Guybrush Threepwood. Guybrush Threepwood. Guybrush Threepwood. <laughs> guybrush. Guybrush, guybrush. <laughs> <Brush> Threepwood. <laughs> Guy, oh, I am Groot. Guybrush Threepwood. Guybrush Threepwood, a young man who has just hit the shores of Melee Island, somewhere in the Caribbean. Our naive heroes' travels have led him to the to Melee Island in a quest to fulfill his life's ambition to become a fierce, swashbuckling, bloodthirsty pirate. Unbeknownst to Guybrush, however, there have been some strange, strange happenings in the area surrounding area in the area surrounding Melee Island and the more mysterious Monkey Island. As he walks into this maelstrom of mystery, Guybrush will soon be very aware that things are not what they appear to be, and even bloodthirsty pirates can be scared, and that there's more to being a pirate than swinging a sword and drinking grog.
0: back. You just listened to the intro from the game The Secret of Monkey Island. Submitted by a listener, Chris Steenerson and composed by Michael Zeeland. Peter, I can't, I have to say it as Zeeland, even though it's like two separate things.
1: I've always said Zeeland. In my mind, I say Zeeland. Yeah.
0: Peter McConnell and Clint Bajakian. Or Bajakian. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So here's a nice Glorious testimonial from Chris Peterson in regards to this game and his love of it. I remember seeing this game on the shelf when I was buying Maniac Mansion for my Commodore 64, thinking it looked interesting with its beautiful VGA graphics of Pirate's weird soda machine. At the time, it did not have a PC to play it on, nor the cash to afford it. I was at Babbage's buying Maniac Mansion with $20 of rolled up pennies. Brother, I not know! <laughs> I totally get it. Eventually, I found myself at the house of a family friend who had a fancy new PC with a CD-ROM, stereo speakers, and a copy of Maniac Mansion on CD. We played through the whole game in one sitting that ended up being ending at around 3 in the morning. Hmm. The end of the game accurately said... "Wow." now turn off the computer and go to bed (laughs) I like that (laughs) I think the ending actually said that that's what it actually said apparently I like that yeah it was a video game Ben session that left quite an impression on me the amazing music the hilarious writing and the tricky but always solvable puzzles made it one of my favorite games of all time if you've played it that music is now part of your soul there aren't many game soundtracks that I can think of that dig in and stick so well I lift my tankard of grog to Michael Wayne for his incredible work. I've never even played the game, and I'm going to do the same thing with my tankard of freshly brewed Wawa coffee. (laughs) Uh, Good enough. Good enough. But, yeah, like, honestly, Monkey Island is one of those games that I have wanted to look into going back to in the present because Mm -hmm. back when this game was new, I didn't like adventure games yet. So it looked kind of boring to me. yeah. But, of course, as I got older and got exposure to, like, the adventure games that, you know, had themes that, you know, fit my interest, mm-hmm. I developed a fond appreciation of the genre. And now I could totally see myself going back and trying this game out. When he talked about
1: playing this, like, in one big, long marathon session, what, what was, like, the last time, or maybe, like, the most, the time that comes to your mind first, when you think of the last time you did, like, a
0: marathon gaming session? Hmm. Two Of them, one I mentioned recently, which was um, Day <laughs> Bow Bow, <laughs> was the one where Mike and I played Hyper Void, Hyper void yeah, that was like mm-hmm. literally an all night <laughs> thing. Um, another one, there's three total now, okay, three total. Another one being Silent Hill One, mm. playing that one of my first break home from college, yeah, in the middle of the night downstairs in the living room because I actually hooked the PlayStation up on the living room TV, which I didn't do back when I was living at home, and uh, played that also all night, Mm -hmm. which made all the scary parts that much scarier. And then the weirdest one I've ever done, I played the entirety of the game Outlast on Easter Sunday. (laughs)
1: Last year. (laughs) The scariest of the holidays.
0: Oh yeah. It was surprisingly appropriate given where the plot goes, but, Mm. uh... Interesting. It was a very odd thing to do. Like, I'm just going to go to boot this up and see what it's like, and then more and more I played, and eventually I played through the entire game in one city. I think it took me like 10 hours. Wow. Wow. So I was quite addicted to Outlast. No kidding. Um, honestly, marathons are a rarity for me these days, mm-hmm. but when the opening strikes and the game is just right...
1: Yeah. If it Sometimes, like, the games are still, you know, binge-worthy, right? Mm-hmm. But... We're still able to put them down. I think. Do you think? Do you think that it has to do with how easy it is to save games
0: nowadays? Well, or like, part, how, like how like a lot of games auto save. Um, it does. Auto saving helps, mm-hmm. but I think if anything, saves make it easier to put a game down. Yeah. If anything, though. If I want to play through something enough and I feel engaged enough by it...
1: Yeah, it, that one doesn't bother
0: It me. won't bother me. Yeah. I'll still save the game because it's just that thing you do. Mm-hmm. But I'll just continue to press on until I'm tired of playing. So we have one statement. Um, Pilar goes... Or Pilar goes, do, I, do we like, do I like King's Quest? Have you ever played King's Quest? I have played King's Quest. I
1: have never played it. I know I know my wife Christy has played through... Maybe it is the same one. I want to say it was King's Quest six. Five, it was King's Quest 5 or 6 and we watched a, we, together we watched a playthrough of it online um, and it was like, it was so slow. I couldn't believe how slow it was. It was very much, um, it was very much like a bunch of fairy tales kind of slapped together and you had to go from like screen to screen picking up items and using it on other items and just making sure you're in the right place at the right time um, but moving from screen to screen was pretty slow but it was very along the like. Have you ever seen like Police Quest or Space Quest?
0: I feel like, if anything, I think the closest I've come to probably playing a game like that was recently I was playing a game called The Book of Unwritten Tales. Mm-hmm. And that's a similar vibe where like the entire game is you're walking around. Actually, King's Quest was first personal, I think, wasn't it?
1: No, no. These were all, no, these, these were like super old, like Apple II. Like, not even Apple Two, but like, yeah, you know, old school, like, really? Tandy
0: style. Yeah, old, old. You things. know what? I got a feeling I'm confusing it with that one game that was like a From Software game. It was like King Something Else on the PlayStation 1. Mm. Which, Bossy, I'm pretty sure I'm no, aware no, 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 of King's Quest, but I think it might have been like one of the later King's Quest or something. But anyway, the point is, yeah. like, the closest I've ever come to playing a game of that nature, I think recently I started playing a game called Book of Unwritten Tales 2. Mm-hmm. And that one is a similar vibe where it's like, there's no combat or anything like that. It's just various scenarios, and you're walking around as different characters trying to solve puzzles that will allow you to advance to the next environment, and the majority of the thing that carries the game is the witty writing, yes, and the funny yeah.
1: jokes and characters. right? It's pretty engaging. Yeah. So, yeah King's Quest, I think it was uh, Sierra Games, if, if that means anything to you, or at least you, maybe you know about it. Uh, Sierra Games released a whole bunch of those Quest series-types games. If you're ever interested in...
0: Oh, thank you! She covered my butt! So... It was King's Fields I was getting. a King's field. That
1: sounds familiar. Yes. King's Field. Yeah.
0: That was the one that was on PS1, and it was first person. I don't feel so insane anymore. Were you like
1: thinking like, um, you ever do that thing where you believe something exists, but, and you're thinking about it, but then like, so you create these memories that aren't real. Like the Berenstain Bears? I'd mean, maybe, not, maybe not like so far as the Berenstain Bears. <laughs> oh. Um, anyway, I was going to say that if, if you're interested in um, knowing what Police Quest, not Police Quest, Space Quest is about, because that's got some really silly writing in it. Um, the game grumps has a playthrough of Police Quest three and four and it's just Danny playing through the game so it's just him talking through it and it's called have a chill space time and He <laughs> plays through the game in like an hour hour and a half and it's just it's just really fun because he remembers it when he was a kid and oh, so he doesn't so he
0: he's never stuck
1: so like he gets stuck here and there but like it's not like a long slog and it's not like a speed run he's just really enjoying it and it's it's a really good playthrough hmm. if you're ever interested in that kind of stuff because it's it's that's got some really silly stuff in it. So, I'm going to turn this track down, and we're going to get into the part of the show
0: we like to call the
1: bonus round.
0: The bonus round. Whoa, whoa. I'll be
1: Bonus round on the wings of my dreams. The rise and
0: fall of of the bonus bonus round. round. Jingles. All right. (laughs) We
1: got them. Uh, The bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme. Um, We also had some remixes sent to us by our listeners and Patreon subscribers. So our first one is going to come to us. From Cameron Worma, this is Space Harrier 2. Get ready, a classic OC remix from the artist DJ Pretzel. Space Harrier 2 Get Ready from DJ Pretzel and that was picked by Cameron Worma he says if we're asking for absolute favorites I have to throw this your way definitely in my top five all time tracks loads of nostalgia and aside from questionable synths I don't think they're questionable I think they're classic <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, the, maybe that maybe that that, that little voice sample um, it's a beautifully crafted piece I agree with you I think it's perfect I think it's perfect the way it is. I, I like the synth sounds. I really like cheesy, classic synth sounds.
0: I enjoyed that listener Stephen Miller goes, it sounds like a Russian nightclub. <laughs> and it kind of does. Something about that, yeah. I don't know what that means, but it I might agree. might have put the thought in my head, yeah. because now, once I read it, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I think it does. All right, what's the track you're picking from, dude? So, I'm going to go with the name I just mentioned. That is Stephen Miller, mm-hmm. who submitted a remix by always, well, I'm not sure if he does a lot these days, but back in the day, he was always, he was well involved. Ailshawn. And the track is a remix from the game Chrono Cross titled "Nikki Learns a Song. He was listening to Nicky Learns a Song, remixed from the game Carnel Cross, done by artist Ailshon and submitted by listener Steven Miller. This track was really nice. Like it had a it started out very grungy, like he was really sitting down tuning a guitar and like just taking a crack at the song. And he just got progressively better mm-hmm. until eventually you had this happy track. And it was it sounded great. I liked it. And you said it was definitely like a remix of Radical Dreamers. Yeah,
1: it's definitely an arrangement of Radical Dreamers, um, which is a like the, the theme, the thread that kind of goes throughout Chrono Cross, mm-hmm. uh, which is really strong.
0: And I asked the listeners mm-hmm. in the group, um, you said you played through Cross, right? Or some I, of it at least.
1: Oh yeah, no, I, I played through Cross, maybe twice. Who was your
0: favorite party member?
1: Um, probably the weirdo ones like the um, the space boy one, whatever his name oh, was. Starkey was Starkey, great. yeah. Starkey, I like Starkey a lot. Um, prop, I think Nikki, maybe, maybe it was Nikki. Nicky was the crazy, like, prof- um, Nikki musician was the guitar, Yeah, guitar, yeah, the, the musician. And it was Mickey and Nikki. I mean, I, I love that there were so many characters. I want to go back and play this game. I, I really, I would love like a, a remastered version of this game, but I just know that it didn't have that popularity that some other rpgs did that would warrant a huge development team that it would take to clean up the graphics and remodel everything
0: which is unfortunate because it was a great game like i'm actually playing it on the vita again Mm -hmm. um i think my favorite characters were starkey orla who was the barmaid who had the drunken boxing style of combat um i remember liking not nicky but mickey yes uh that may well be the majority the scarecrow, not the scarecrow but the voodoo doll.
1: Voodoo doll, that's right. Yeah. There there wasn't there like Mojo. a sh- there's was a chef and the chef's daughter, and they fought with frying pans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the she fought with a ladle. A ladle. Yeah, she fought with a big big spoon.
0: <laughs> a giant spoon. And if I'm not mistaken, all of her weapons were like named based off of the chemical equation that formed it. Like like copper spoon was like oh, a CU spoon. Yeah, that's right, yeah.
1: I remember um, first seeing that and thinking, like, what does that mean? But then, like, realizing after you get more of the items... Uh, th- that's one of the big criticisms of the game was that there were more characters than plot. Which, I mean, I, c- I guess kind of makes sense because the, the the thread doesn't run through it super... Uh, of the plot doesn't run super strong through the game. But it's it's still, you know, still a lot of characters.
0: You definitely got to mention the um, Steven's favorite characters. Okay. Oh, or, great. Definitely. He mentions Glenn... For he mentions this double ionizer attack. Mm-hmm. Though, if I remember correctly, people were always, even back then, were speculating, is this the, is this the same Glen as the frog Glenn? Oh, right, right, it right. It wasn't, but people were trying to make that connection. And he also mentions a soft spot for Grobik. If I'm not mistaken, he was like black android. Black was his primary element. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I,
1: I really want to play this game again. I really, really love Corona Cross. Well, for more information on the bonus round part of our show, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com and we'll have links to SoundClouds and BandCamps and the artist pages where you can go uh, buy the music and support the artists. But we have one last track to go out on and to keep in theme with the rest of the show, um, we are going to continue with these little intros. So this game is from Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Red Rescue Team track is benevolent spirit and this was picked by listener that nick walker this game takes place in a world where there are no humans only pokemon pokemon you a human out of the blue have come to this world and been turned into a pokemon your senses and feelings are also becoming more like pokemon why have you turned into a pokemon it is up to you to solve this mystery on your adventure. 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 Adventure.
2: adventure. <laughs>
0: Testimonial by that Nick Walker. You guys were talking about your favorite games. I just knew that my only choice could be Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Red Rescue Team. This was the first game I ever ever bought for me when I was young, and all I wanted for my 10th birthday was a Game Boy Advance and Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. And for my first trial on the personality test, I got my favorite Pokemon, Charmander, hmm. and I was absolutely in love with the Mystery Dungeon formula. Now the songs in these games are absolutely great, at least the first two generations anyway. They're incredibly emotional and powerful and have actually made me cry on multiple occasions with the themes of friendship, never giving up. It's a very personal game to me. The song I'm picking plays when your main character is sleeping and having a dream, talking to another Pokemon. So I figured it would make a good end card music track since the song loops pretty quickly. Guess what? We agree because <laughs> that's why it's on that end track. It's really good. This
1: is a great tune,
0: and this testimonial was glorious. Yeah,
1: I'm really, in- I'm really into this song. Yeah, great testimonial. Thank you, thank you that Nick Walker for this final track to go on.
0: I am honestly, for someone who has little experience with the Mystery Dungeon games, even though I own like one of every generation of them, uh, I do personally agree to liking the Mystery Dungeon's aesthetic in the sense that it gives you a lot more of an impression of Pokemon personalities. So when you're playing the Pokemon games official, the personality truly only comes from like the actual people in the game. But the Pokemon are mainly battle avatars, and their interactions are basically those weird sounds they came up with for their their animal cries. Battle cries or whatever, yeah, yeah. But in Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, the world is Pokemon. So since they are the only people interacting with each other, they get to have, well, people... (laughs) you know what I mean so they're not only characters interact with each other you get to hear how they would perceive the world around them and how they would react so like you'd have like benevolent Pokemon you'd have creepy Pokemon you'd have kind hearted Pokemon and then you have some of their just outright whacked out in their heads but all in all it's a fantastic time and even if you're not too ver- well versed in the mystery dungeon formula, mm-hmm. the Pokemon games make a great stepping stone to get started.
1: It's a g- I want to I want to listen to more of this music now because this track is really cool.
0: And I'm probably gonna play my copy of Blue Rescue Team
1: <laughs> oh. when I get home. Um, blue would be the Squirtles. Yes, right.
0: Well. I'm, I think it was more meant to ref. well yeah it would be squirrels, but in a sense of like how the covers were but I think but it's just meant to reference how Pokemon Red and Blue's colors were back
1: okay, then it was game. just like two separate games because he talked about his, his first one was Charmander that's interesting that he took a, uh, a, a personality test at the beginning of the game to choose his opening Pokemon
0: well what happens is the game when you start it up mm-hmm. it's like your character's subconscious is being transferred to a Pokemon okay because you wake up holy crap I'm a Pokemon but what it does is the game will ask you a, per- a series of questions, and based on those questions, it determines what Pokemon to actually put you into. Oh, so see, you can yeah. wake up as a Squirtle or a Charmander or a Pikachu, or there's like a couple other options too. Like it's not just the traditional three starters. Okay.
1: Well, we should probably actually... Oh, yeah. Doggy's got to take the runs. Yeah, Doggy, might have to, to head out of here. But anyway, thanks for listening to us on Rhythm and Pixels, episode 18-2 kind of our um, our favorite our listeners favorites game favorite games and tracks
0: and honestly I love this theme and I love this episode it was nice to hear everyone's favorite games Mm -hmm. and just their track suggestions in relation to those games because yeah I liked hearing it too like this show is definitely about VGM but just as much as VGM is there it's also just about our experiences and our listeners experiences and just sharing a love for this Grand whole hobby of ours, you well, know? And I feel
1: like these episodes that we do um, are just, just as much about community as it is about the music and the games and the experiences. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you'd like to know more about our show, um, or I'm sorry, if you'd like to reach out to us, and if you have any questions, if you have any track suggestions... Um, if you have any topic suggestions for future episodes, please send us an email. rhythmandpixels and Pixels at Hotmail.com um, If you'd like more information about our show, full track listings from all of the episodes and links to everything else that we're doing, go to the website.
0: rhythmandpixels.com.
1: Um, If you'd like to see us on uh, social media, it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Um, a lot of the chat is happening in the Facebook group called Rhythm and Pixels Chat. You can check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. There we have um, the uh, audio of each episode is getting put up there as a video and we have mixtapes from past episodes getting put up there and we have our 24-7 um, uh, radio station playing only 8-bit and 16-bit classics. Um, if you'd like to support the show, um, hit subscribe or just you know share the show with your friends Or you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. And there you can support the show that way. You get access to all of these um, great live streamed episodes that we're doing. I I say great. They're they're fantastic. They're the best.
0: They're adequate. They're pretty good.
1: Um, And we like to thank every Patreon member at the end of every episode. So we want to thank that Nick Walker. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for your continued support of the show. It means a whole lot to us. I concur. We want to thank... Alex, the messenger. Messenger, Steve Miller, the autistic gamer eighty nine, Cameron Worma, Christopher Sinström, Christopher <laughs> uh, Damian Beckles, Bobby Arson, Wicked Efferoth. Okay, Impala, uh, Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes Three podcast, Henrik Anderson of the Commodore sixty four Camouflage podcast. Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast, Brian Pitt, Morton Gangso, Chris Marie, uh, Jupiter Jazz, Um, thank you so much for your continued support of the show. It means a whole lot to us. I want to thank uh, Soulless Sanctuary, Mix 6 Master, John Jekyll, Joe Vasallo, Chris Steenerson, our favorite guitar noodler, Chris Steenerson, our favorite guitar noodler. Noodler. No- Noodler Noodler In the Noodler That'd be Noodler And David Smith I Cannot forget David Smith Thank mm-hmm. you all so much For your continued support Of the show um, And This Past Friday um, Over on our Other favorite VGM podcast The VG Embassy With our good friend Ed Wilson I did a Just a, I was I guested on his show And I talked Nothing else I talked Only, only about drum and bass music in video games. So if you're interested in that, check that out. I talk about the history of the music. I talk about the music itself. I talk about the games, why the games, how these games introduced me to the music. He
0: talks about a lot of things.
1: Yes, real junglist vibes on that show. So check it out on the VG Embassy with Ed Wilson. And um, that's all. So
0: I think we'll get back to normal episodes next week. Or not. We have, potentially... Oh, potentially. <laughs> we have one more topic that we didn't touch on. I'm, I'm considering bugging Rob to do it, but oh, otherwise... Okay. I'm down. Do, you know I'm down. All right, in that case, then, one more episode like this, and then we're back to normal. All right, cool. All right, well, thanks for listening to Rhythm and Pixels.
1: My name is Rob Nichols. I'm Purnell. Thanks for listening, and have a safe week.
0: And remember, and remember... <laughs> oh, my God. I am strangely tired, but... What I want to say is that we were talking about it earlier at the beginning of the episode, but it never hurts to just say it as the ender as well. Like what you like, and play what you play, criticize and discuss at will, because it's worth discussing your games and getting into it on that level, just to kind of treat games like the art pieces that they actually are. You know, the music, the graphics, the voices, all of it. It's all art, and it deserves to be criticized because that's what you do for artistic things you want to talk about them on that level that doesn't mean you got to be a jerk about it because if you're a jerk you're just kind of shutting out any desire to hear what you've got to say so just be nice be kind but be critical (laughs) because honestly at the end of the day we all just want to share our interests and hobbies and just talk about the things we enjoy so let's do that and let's have fun with it
2: have a good night